Last week I shared the story of Jacob and Esau, twins born to Isaac and Rebekah, a, a blessed event after 20 years of trying to get pregnant. But in an ominous sign, these twins began fighting with each other even while they were still in the womb. And it was so bad, Rebekah complained, why should I still live? Jacob was born trying to get ahead of his brother, grasping onto Esau's heel to hold him back as they came down the birth canal. And he never stopped trying to get ahead of his older brother. Having failed in the womb, as adults, Jacob tricked Esau into giving him his birthright for the price of some stew. Some years later, Jacob once again tricked Esau out of his rightful place as the head of the tribe. Jacob did this by conspiring with his mother, Rebekah, to deceive his father, Isaac. It's a wild story, as good as any soap opera. And if you want to catch up, just read or watch or listen to the previous week's sermons. So today's reading begins right after Jacob tricked his twin again. Esau was so angry he promised to kill Jacob, but he would wait to, wait to do so until after their father was dead. But before that happened, Rebekah sent her favorite twin off to live with her brother Laban. And jumping ahead in the story, that's where he met Laban's daughters and was tricked into marrying both of them, which then in retaliation, Jacob schemed to steal his uncle's sheep. My colleague Jeffrey Spencer describes Jacob as someone who puts the fun in dysfunction. So today's story happens at the end of the first day of running from Esau's mur murderous rage. Jacob was so dog-tired, he simply used a rock for his pillow and fell into a deep sleep. The kind with dreams so convoluted you wake up tired. Did you ever have those dreams? <laughs> My worst dreams are of being late to something. And more than once, I've had a dream where I realized I forgot my sermon at home and think, I've got enough time to run home and get it, but something keeps happening. And finally, by the time I make it to the church, you've gone home very angry that I skipped out. Running, running, running. Yeah, Jacob was running for his life when he laid his head on a rock and fell into a deep sleep. And what a fascinating dream. This is the source of the famous spiritual, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. Except that, in that case, the dream was of the enslaved escaping to heaven. That's not Jacob's dream. In his dream, he saw God's messengers busily going up and down, like office workers on what we might envision as a Mayan temple. The original audience would have imagined ziggurats in Babylon. But wait, Jacob wouldn't have known what a Babylonian ziggurat was. Babylon was hundreds and hundreds of years later. What was that doing in his dream? Well, you know, the book of Genesis was compiled during the Babylonian exile, full of the stories people had carried with them for generations. All of them true stories, except that they didn't actually happen. Or maybe pieces of them happened that were all sewn together like a patchwork quilt. Do you remember in school having to diagram sentences? You, know, you make two lines, you draw a horizontal line in the center by a, cut by a vertical line, and you start with a simple subject and a verb phrase, and you add the subject and predicate, and you build on your independent clause and add modifiers. And ugh, Sorry to the English teachers in the room, but I hated doing that. 
And as much as I hated diagramming uh, in school, I hated diagramming Bible passages in seminary. We had to dissemble the biblical patchwork quilt. We used letters like J and D and P to delineate which paragraph belonged to which tradition and what era it had been written. But once you could see where they came from, well, you could understand the why, the agendas and purposes of each group that contributed to the patchwork quilt. At first, that kind of deconstruction was disturbing. I remember how after 17 years of blissful ignorance in Sunday school, I got really angry with my first Old Testament professor. I wasn't prepared to hear Dr. Wilterdink say that the Bible is mythological. It took me a while to calm down. He wasn't saying the Bible is a bunch of fairy tales, but it's not history. The Bible is true, or rather contains truth. I can even say it's the Word of God, but it's not factual. It wasn't meant to be. They are stories passed down generation to generation to explain why we are who we are and why things happened. Like in today's reading, one might be in a pl one question might be why is this place, this rock, special? And so we're told a story about our ancestor Jacob and the time he escaped from his brother and used this rock as a pillow and turned it into a sacred pillar. This story also functions as a transition to explain how he came to marry his four wives and how he came to be the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. Except it's not the only story of how he came to meet his cousin wives. In the chapter right before today, Genesis 27, a different story is told that the reason Jacob went off to Uncle Laban's is because Isaac and Rebekah couldn't stand the wives of Esau. Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm sick to death of these Hittite women. If Jacob also marries a native Hittite woman, why should I continue to live? <laughs> the same question she asked of her feuding twins in the tomb, in the womb. So in this version, Jacob is sent off to find a wife, not to escape Esau. Which is the true story? Well, truth is found in the meaning, not the history. After all the diagramming and dissembling, it makes total sense that it was written down during the Babylonian exile because during the exile, the Israelites were forced from their homeland, dragged away from the temple where they worshipped God. I mean, surely God was in that place. They mourned, how can we sing the songs of Zion in Babylon? And in response, they told each other stories including about the patriarch Isaac and how at a time when he was utterly alone and afraid, running for his life with only a rock for his pillow, he saw the connection of earth and heaven and woke up and exclaimed, Surely God is in this place. Hence, it is a true story that God is not limited to a particular place. I love a good story about scandals and villains with soap opera twists. But ultimately the question is, where is the truth in this story for you? Because the real commission of the spiritual life is to explore these texts until they aren't just mythological stories about someone else, but words by which we can live our lives. 
Words for the times, for example, when we feel utterly alone, misunderstood, or afraid. Times that we are trying to escape danger, even from family. Times when it has felt like all we've had was a rock for our pillow. And in, in those moments, asking, are we going to be okay? Richard Rohr said, these are the places where human beings hate to go, but it's the place where God is always leading us. It's the in-between place when you have left the tried and true, but have not yet been able to replace it with anything else. We have lots of those times in our lives, you know, leaving a job without a new one, leaving a relationship without a new one, leaving a home, and even leaving a church before you found a new one. That place where we surely knew God, but it's not who we are anymore. We can visit all kinds of churches that might make a great new home, but it's not the same, even though the same is what we needed to leave. As Rohr said, it's when you are between your old comfort and any new answer, those are the anxious times. And if you are not trained in how to hold anxiety, how to live with ambiguity, how to entrust and wait, you will keep running. The spiritual life is learning how to hold anxiety, live with ambiguity, trust, and wait. You know, Jacob wasn't on a vision quest. He wasn't seeking deeper answers to spiritual truths. No, he had pushed his luck too far and was now running, running, running. He was in a limbo of his own making. But pay attention. That's exactly when God told Jacob, know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. It's easy to say, God, surely God is in this beautiful sanctuary. But that dirty trick scoundrel Jacob, as well as the Babylonian exiles, learned that God is not limited to one place or time. It's a true story that God is just as surely with us in the desolate, isolated, forlorn, anxious, and ambiguous places of our lives. And if you can trust that, you don't have to run anymore. Searching for truth in this story and meaning, I also find encouragement to listen to our dreams. Dreams are often just weird, but sometimes they are the way the sacred and divine break through to share a message. Maybe that's a message to carry on. Maybe it's a message that you are not alone. Maybe it's a message for you when you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, knowing you had to leave something behind, but unsure about what you will find. That's exactly where you will find God, or rather, God will find you. And you can turn your granite pillow into a pillar of gratitude.